and welcome to Minute 107 of Season 3 of Movie Rob Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki-yay away through the 1988 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Todd Liebenow of the Forgotten Filmcast. I, I forgot who you are. Who are you? You're... <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> Hans Gruber. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to the show, Todd. Thank you, as always. I, I, I want to apologize if I've acted like a jerk, you know, so or a I, bum or something like that. No, 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 no. <laughs> let, let, spill your guts. Let it all out. Oh, okay, all right. I'm all here right, to we'll listen. See. There you go. <laughs> so, Tell me all about how you've screwed up your marriage and there you go. all that stuff. I'm here for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. appreciate it. So episode 107 begins with John continuing to bear his soul to Al and ends with John getting even mushier. You know, this, yeah, this, this, is, this is, this is, this is, this is pretty much like a therapy session. <laughs> yeah, completely. <laughs> completely. I mean, this, this whole uh, minute is just John talking, you know? So, I mean, yesterday we finished with, with uh, John starting to get a bad feeling about things, you know, doing, doing a typical, uh, you know, Star Wars uh, phrase. And today he continues with with his umming, as you you uh, coined it yesterday, mm. and he basically says, "Um, tell her it took me a while to figure out what a jerk I've been, but um, but that that when things started to pan out for her, I should have been more supportive, and uh, and I just should have been behind her more." And then he says, "Oh sh," and tell her that, um. That she's the best thing that ever happened to a bum like me. She's heard me say I love you a thousand times. She never heard me say I'm sorry. And I want you to tell her that. I want you to tell her that. And that, that's the whole dialogue. That's how it gets cut off here or anything like that. I mean, he really is bearing his soul here. He really thinks that he is going to die. He's not going to make it out. You know, he... I think this minute actually shows how much John really has grown over the course of this movie. You know, let's say mm -hmm. it's been eight hours or something like that. You know, we don't know the exact time frame of the whole thing. We know that that sunset was at 5 p.m. Okay. And we know that the, the newscast was at 10 p.m. So mm -hmm. this is beyond. This must be somewhere around midnight, maybe a little bit later, something like that. And... You know, he, he's, he's gone through a lot, as, as we've discussed over the last 106 minutes, 106 episodes. And he, he's just ready to I, – I, he's not ready to give up, but he, he thinks the odds are against him. Yeah, yeah. And, it, I mean, it's a scene that actually ties in very well with some things that you see earlier in the film. Like when um, he first arrives at Nakatomi and he goes into – um, you know, the office, uh, Holly takes him into the office and, and he's in the bathroom and he's cleaning up and, and such. And they're talking. And at first the, you know, it's a very kind of how they miss each other. And they're, you know, you get this spark of, Oh, they're going to reunite. Everything's going to be okay. And then it transitions into, you know, they start to argue again about, you know, why she took the job and why she moved and all that. And he stuff. wasn't supportive. Right. And then she leaves. and then he doesn't know what their marriage really is. It should what what a marriage really is. Right. Right. And then she she exits 
and then he's like kicking himself. He's like, oh, John, why did you do that? And all this, you know, like he really came there with the best of intentions. He was going to make things work. And then here, just a few minutes in, he started to screw it up again. Uh, so, you know, going now to this scene, you know, we're, you know, quite a ways further down the line. And, you know, I think that a lot of the emotion that you're seeing in him is, is, you know, part of the regret of, you know, letting that moment go sour. You know, that's the last time that he saw Holly before all this madness started. Right. So, um, and, and again, going back to what we were saying yesterday, this scene is just, it's very heartfelt. It's very genuine. Um, one of the things I really love about what Bruce Willis is doing is here is that you see him choking back the tears, you know, and, and trying to not, let his voice crack as he's talking to Al because, you know, I mean, they're, they're two guys, they're two cops. They're talking to each other. He doesn't want to cry in front of another cop, you know, type of thing. And he's really having a hard time, uh, you know, not letting his emotions show as he's, he's doing all this. And, uh, you know, again, just felt very genuine. You know, I think, think most people can relate to moments like that where you, you're starting to get emotional at, at a time where you didn't expect it and you're having a hard time, uh, you know, trying to just communicate and not letting letting the tears flow, letting your voice crack, all that type of thing. So again, just I, I think something that speaks to what a genuine character John McClane is. Yeah, no, for sure. And and I mean, going back to one of the things we pointed out yesterday, and that I pointed out numerous times, you know, he's he's not just bearing his soul to 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 Al here. He's forgetting that he's bearing his soul to Hans and Theo and Argyle uh, yeah. and anyone else who's listening. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, I, I wonder if Hans is listening to this, if it, if it's giving Hans any type of indication that, you know, maybe there is something closer to home here for John. I, I don't know. Well, I, I think that it probably does play into some of the things we see later on. Um, you know, we get a hint of it when, when we have the whole sequence with Ellis you know, and he when he shoots Ellis and says, you know, maybe next time I'll find someone that you do care about. Right. So the seeds are planted there. But then, you know, I think this moment again, we have to assume Hans is hearing all this. You know, I think then that's part of why he just kind of. I don't know. I mean, I know this is <laughs> this is another another day in the future, but you see a spark in Hans in Alan Rickman when he realizes who Holly is to yes. John McClane. Uh, and I, you know, I, I would have to assume that some of what we're hearing in this moment that Hans probably hears plays into that as well. Well, as you know, that happens towards the end of this week, beginning of next week, you know, it's not really even that far in the future where we're talking here, where that spark mm -hmm. will, will uh, be ignited, you know, between the two of them. But I mean, one of the things that, 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 that this scene made me wonder is John, knows that they've killed Takagi. He knows that they've killed um, Ellis, right? Ellis. Now, he doesn't... How does he know that Holly is safe? Right. You know, like, right. how does he know that Hans just didn't decide to, you know, just mow down a whole bunch of the of, of the hostages? That's true. I mean, through all of this, John never really knows that, that Holly is is okay. He right. doesn't know that she's actually alive until that moment right at the very end where he sees her 
And and Hans is holding the gun to her head. No, but he he stands there and starts screaming at Holly, doesn't he? Yeah. Or is that yeah? Yeah. So you know he knows at that point that Holly is still alive, but like well, whatever we'll get oh, to that he, in a few weeks from now. But how does he know? Yeah, that? yeah. No, he finds that out later because they do tell one of the coworkers, the pregnant coworkers. Ah, right, right, right. Ginny, oh, yeah, we're we're getting ahead. Yeah. That's right. Ginny Ginny says that they they took her. Right. They took her to the vault. Right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But up until that point, he doesn't know. Right. You know, it wouldn't have been, I, I don't know, funny is the right word, but it would have been interesting if he would have, you know, went later on when he's getting on the roof and he says, where's Holly? Where's Holly uh, Gennaro? And someone goes, oh, they slit her throat. You know, she's, <laughs> she's no longer around. <laughs> you know, uh, but, Ugh. but no. <laughs> But, but well, and you but know, yeah, I he... guess the the more I think about it here too, I mean, again, going back to that whole idea that Hans is hearing everything, he tells Al to find his wife. He doesn't give him any information to point to the fact that she is there in the building, which Correct. is pretty wise on his part, yes. you know. Um, so I mean, he's still. I mean, you got to think he's doing that on purpose, that he's doing that because he knows Hans is listening, because he still has hope that she's still alive. So he's, you know, trying to to protect her all the while through this. Correct. Correct. You know, he doesn't say she has a different last name. You know? <laughs> yeah. She kept her maiden name. <laughs> and ironically, Hans is sitting in her office. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. But John doesn't know that either. He doesn't know where, where Hans is. So, yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that he mentions is he says he was a jerk. Okay. So, what what do you think the definition of a jerk is? Uh, I guess my brain just always assumes like a, a rude, disrespectful type of person. Okay. So, a jerk is an annoyingly stupid or foolish person. Okay, an unlikable person, especially one who is cruel, rude, or small-minded. There you go. A very selfish mm -hmm. jerk, you can say. A single quick motion of short duration, the sudden jerk. Okay, that's just different types of uh, you know definitions of it. So th those are basically the two uh, definitions of the person who could be a jerk. So yeah, you you were very close on that. Very well, and you you left out you left out the uh, the slang uh, definition. Um, which has to do with uh, soda shops, because the people that run, you know, that would serve drinks at a in a soda shop, yes. uh, you know, milkshakes or things like that, were referred to as jerks, a soda jerk. Okay, but that probably has to do with the fact that the motion that one makes uh, with a short duration of a sudden jerk, you know, when you have a handle yes. and stuff like that. So that I think that's where the idea of a soda jerk mm -hmm. came from. I think. Yeah, I could I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and then he also mentions the, that that he was a bum. So where where do you think the yeah. term bum comes from? Bum? Oh. Yes. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, we went, when I first you know hear the term bum, going back to my childhood, it was always used in you know the context of you know like uh, vagrants, hobos. Okay, you know, that is one of the people that rode the rails. Yeah, yeah that's one that, of the that type of a thing. Right. Okay. So. Um, so the the first definition. Right. Oh, so go ahead. Well, I was gonna say my my brain when I hear that term also nowadays always goes to uh, my friends from the UK who use that as the term for um, the rump, the posterior part of the body. Uh, 
I remember that because um, I, I had some friends from the UK that visited one summer. And oh, you're not um, talking about Jay again. <laughs> no, uh, I never met Jay in person. I wish someday, hopefully it'll happen. He's a great guy. Um, but, um, you know, you know how, uh, at least here in the US, we have the those little bags that you put around your waist that we refer to as fanny packs. Yes. And so somebody mentioned a fanny pack and my friends from the UK were like shocked because fanny is not a polite term, no. my understanding there. So they call those what we call fanny packs. They call them bum bags, or at least <laughs> the people that I was talking to called them bum bags. So, Bump or bum? <laughs> bum, B-U-M, oh, okay. bum bags, like, you know, like how John McClain says he was a bum. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, interesting, interesting. So uh, the definitions of a bum, uh, one who sponges, uh, one who sponges off of others and avoids work. Okay. Uh -huh. One who performs a function, uh, function poorly. You know, sometimes you would call an umpire a bum. You know, one mm -hmm. whose time is devoted to a recreational activity. Uh, for instance, a beach bum or ski bums, things like that. Oh uh, yeah. All mm -hmm. right. A vagrant tramp, uh, you know, uh, people sleeping on park benches or things like that. And the final definition here is someone who has no settled residence or means of support. So it's very interesting that these are the two things that he calls himself, a jerk and a bum. You know, well, I, I always think of the, the term bum when someone says I was a real bum. I think that's a moment that really reflects him being from New York. I think of people from New York using that term. Eh, he's a bum a lot. Right, of times. Okay. It's just a very New York sounding thing to me. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, uh, that that is something that 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 John might say. But I, you know, first of all, we, we know that John uses many more, um, much more colorful metaphors throughout the movie. So, so that's why. <laughs> well, no, that's why it makes it strange that he says that you know he was either a jerk or a bum. You know, as opposed to using, well, remember, you know, more colorful language. He's giving Al a message to give to his wife, though, you know, so he doesn't want to use that same kind of uh, uh, sailor no, talk. No, but, but for uh, instance, in a message even, that's going even for him wife. to say, you know, tell her I've been an asshole, you know, something like that. That's, that's a, a, I guess you could say a milder uh, colorful metaphor. Mm. You know, that, that would sound, that yeah. would sound... Uh, more realistic coming out of the mouth of John McClane. Yeah, that's yeah. that, that's my yeah. point here. I I get it, but I also get kind of wanting to to tone it down a little bit for for his wife. So even if this is his last moment, she won't go out, you know, thinking the worst of him. She go, uh, oh yeah, you're right. He was a bum, but at least he wasn't an a hole. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. You know. So. You know, the, the, I mean, first of all, you got to give him a lot of credit for being willing to admit that he was, you know, being too pigheaded to listen to her ideas. And the fact that he didn't encourage her, you know, she she throughout her various uh, job advancements. I mean, this is one of the things that, that we've theorized over the course of, of the show that, you know, Holly must have had some sort of executive type job in New York beforehand anyway. It's not like she would have been, you know, that she would have answered an ad to get a job as right. the number three person in Nakatomi in L.A. if she didn't have already some things to her credit beforehand. 
you know, yeah. she, she, she had exactly. to been at least, you know, in uh, a junior management or, or uh, mid, mid-level management before she would get bumped up to, you know, uh, higher, higher management here. So, I mean, John should have mm-hmm. seen where things were going here from that perspective. You know, yeah. again, he, yeah. he has, I, he has some very strange ideas of, of, you know, uh, I guess, I, I don't know if it's to the point where he thinks that his wife should be working at home, you know, taking care of the kids. But the idea is, is that, that, you know, he's supposed to be the breadwinner, that type of thing. I, th- that's one of the things that I think hurts him so much here. There's probably a little bit of that. I've also always kind of interpreted it as it's a little bit of that John sees New York as being his place. Like he can't, he doesn't exist outside of New York type of thing. And, you know, I, I don't mean this as derogatory towards friends that might be from New York and stuff, but I, I've often noticed that there's almost like there's New York and there's the rest of the world type of a thing. <laughs> like, you know, it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to transplant a New Yorker into another environment. They're very much of that space, right. so to speak. And I've, you know, John just comes across as, you know, he's, he's a New York guy. And, you know, so to suggest that he might go to Los Angeles and be a cop is just completely foreign to him because He's from New York and New York is his thing. And, you know, like is, is hinted at in other parts of the movie, you know, there's the, you know, the idea that he probably thought, oh, she'll, you know, this won't pan out. She'll, she'll be desperate to come back to New York after a few months, you know? So, um, you know, I think to John, it's like, you know, there's the rest of the world is, is not, not an environment that, that is appropriate for him. He's a New York guy, and he's got to stay in New York, you know. Which, as since we know the future of John McClane, we know that he leaves New York and then <laughs> yeah. goes back to New York. Right, right. Which actually is one of the aspects of the sequels that I think makes a lot of sense for the character, that he would go and do that, but then he wouldn't be able to come back. <laughs> he would have yeah, to come but back. Yeah, but I mean, we'll, we'll yeah. get to this in future seasons when, when I eventually get there, but I mean... The idea of making, you know, in, in Die Hard 2, Holly and John have a great relationship again. And then in the third one, it's just non-existent. You know, and they don't explain, right? you know, what happened in between. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. type of thing. But uh, yeah. whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in the future sometime. <laughs> so do you have anything else you want to say about this minute before we uh, move along to the the script no i think we've gone pretty deep considering it's all just a lot of uh you know spilling yes. your guts uh by john mcclain i think we we've uh we, we've done this one uh a lot of justice here yeah okay i mean basically i'll, ju- I'll just read the what it says in the script it's it's pretty close to the same thing but it, there's some minor differences he says uh are, are all the ums accurate? Are all the there ums are the actually <laughs> no ums in the script, which means that that was something that oh. which was uh, ad libbed, um ad libbed. So you know that that worked. That's that's improvisation. Yeah. That's not not knowing what to say. That's improvisation. That's acting yes. talent, yeah. right there. No, and I, I like the fact that that you can see that he added it in because it's the idea that that he's not a speech giver. You know, he's not a very ver- yeah. uh, verbal person. You know, and mm-hmm. the fact of him saying that, okay, 
he's now going to give this verbal, you know, diatribe when he thinks that he's not going to make it, you know. So he goes, um, um, you know, you know, just like us, <laughs> as we mentioned mm-hmm. yesterday. <laughs> so, okay, so I'll yep. read what it says here. It says, uh, tell her I've been a jerk. When things panned out for her, I should have I should have been behind her all the way. We had something great going until I screwed it up. She was the best thing that ever happened to me, to a bum like me. She's heard me say I love you a thousand times, but she never got to hear this. Honey, I'm sorry. So I, I think the delivery in the movie is a little better. He, oh, sure. he, yeah. You know, they, 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 they spruce it up a little bit with the way that, that, that Bruce spruces. Bruce spruce. Spruce spruce. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're not uh, Dr. Seuss. So. <laughs> mm. But no. uh, yeah, they they do a nice job of that. Hey. I, I I was going to ask, I had something down in my notes here. And when you said it, asked me if I had anything further, I totally forgot about this. And you may have talked about this on, on previous episodes, because I think it first pops up um, probably last week. But um, what's with the writing on the mirror? Yes. Have you noticed that there's there's something written on the mirror? We've noticed it. We've never tried and to analyze it. I, so if, if you have something you want to say about thought, it, that would go... That would be fine. I I don't have any great insights. It, it looks to me like it's it's dimensions or something like that. And I wondered if it was you know because it's under construction. If that was like writing the size of the mirror on there so it could be installed. I, I think that's properly, what it is. That, that's what I, I, I don't would, know I would, exactly. Uh, that it is because it says we see twenty four by something and then br. That's all we see. We don't see yeah. anything beyond that. You know, maybe a brown. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> Bathroom. I don't know. Bathroom. I figured if there anybody go, knows what bathroom. that is, it's Rob. But you so got this it. is you the panel it. that's twenty-four by, I think forty something. You know, and that's the, the the glass that they'll put in the bathroom. So there you go. So you, now you have an answer. See? Yeah. It's that simple. Sometimes <laughs> the, the the you know sometimes the simplest answer is right in front of your face. All right, so yep. every Tuesday we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Holiday Edition, where my guest will give a little story, anecdote, adventure, misadventure, something that's happened to them over the course of their lives that's somehow related to a holiday. So what have you got for us, Todd? Oh, I, I was really struggling with this type of thing, but um, I've got something more dramatic for the, the next time. But th- this one... Way, just, to, way to plug Thursday. Just Thank a you. A piece of weirdness. Yeah. Um, so I live in Den- the Denver area, and one of the things that's a, tr- a Christmas tradition here in Denver is they do a thing called the Parade of Lights that they do downtown, usually about a week or two after Thanksgiving. In fact, I think it usually is the weekend after Thanksgiving weekend. Um, and it's not connected and, to Hanukkah? Uh, you know, it goes through. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, well, I, I suppose it. I suppose it could be, you know, I mean, I, 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 I seem to recall seeing, you know, all the various winter okay. holidays represented uh, in the fair. floats and things that are done there. Um, but um, so we don't go every year because, you know, depending on what the weather's like, uh, it can in be Denver? Cold, Come on. Uh, you know, going out at, at nighttime, you know, and I mean, you're, when you're a mile above sea level, it, it gets chilly uh, at night in the wintertime. 
Um, but we also do get some warm days. In fact, last year we went to the parade because it was very warm that weekend. Um, but going back several years, we went one year and the, the, um, the place that we were at on the parade route was right where the parade takes a turn. Um, so, uh, we were basically right on the corner where it was turning. And so all the different things are coming down the street. You know, they do floats, they have marching bands. They actually have some balloons, not as big as the Macy's parade, uh, Macy's Thanksgiving day parade, but they have some balloon type things. And then they had these, these like crazy cars, like the ones that have like the hydraulic things where the wheels bounce them up and down and, and things like that. And, um, and they're decked out with lights and, you know, holiday festivities and whatnot. So they're coming around this corner right by us. And the one car is like doing all these trick things with the hydraulics, you know, like rocking back and forth and all that stuff. And then as it's doing this as it's turning. So people that know a lot more about cars probably have figured out by now that the wheel then got caught as it was turning under the framework of the car it came back down on it and so the car got stuck right in front of us so we're like you know this is a once every five six years type of thing that we go down and watch this parade and we ended up spending half the parade just staring at this car that was parked in front of us because it couldn't move and all the rest of the parade had to move around it they had to like bring a tow oh, wow. truck or something like that into the parade route to try and get the thing out of the way um yeah not a not a super dramatic Christmas event, but that was the first thing that came to mind when I was trying to think about something kind of strange that okay. happened to us around De the holidays. That makes sense. Definitely makes a lot of sense. All right. Thank you for that. So Todd, why don't you once again, tell people how they can find where they can find the forgotten film cast or Todd leave it up. Well, yeah. So the blog is forgotten films. So that's at forgotten .com. That's the same place to go to find links to the podcast, which is called the forgotten film cast. And then uh, follow me on Twitter at Forgotten Films. That's films with a Z. All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, or you can go directly to my website, movieroundminute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.